Hi everyone, happy 2022 and welcome to the fourth episode of Skylight. This is Skylar and today I'm going to be doing kind of like a little bit of an overview of the past year in 2021 and what we've seen in regards to abortion. So if you're new here, I just did an episode kind of covering the stigma of abortion. Uh, my mission at Skylight, this uh, podcast is part of a larger nonprofit that I have, is to talk about the misinformation, polarization, stigma, um, between political parties that we're seeing right now and how that contributes to politics for Gen Z because this concern that I have is that going forward, um, there's not going to be as much collaboration. I mean, people have already talked about this widening abyss in politics that we're seeing right now, and that's a little bit about what I'm trying to decrease, what I'm trying to create awareness about, and hopefully lower. So um, in my last episode, I talked about the stigma of the abortion debate, and I would highly recommend that you check that episode out before listening to this one. Um, where I'll be going over abortion trends that we've seen in the past year, and specifically Texas as well, and the new and different types of bans that we've been seeing there. So getting into that a little bit, if anyone has questions after this episode or wants to have a conversation, which I'm always open to, um, please email me at intheskylight.website at gmail.com, or you can visit my website, which is intheskylight.com. All right, so let's get into it. So since going through the Supreme Court in 1973, there have been around a little bit more than um, 1,300 different restrictions or bans on abortion that don't ban it completely. So obviously because Roe v. Wade, um, you know, abortion is legal through the Supreme Court, abortion cannot be totally banned. However, it's been harder to access. There have been more regulations as to who qualifies for abortion based on the development of the fetus, etc., so American Progress actually published this report showing that 561 abortion restrictions were enacted from only June to September of 2021. Um, and keep in mind, this is of a total of 1,300 since 1973. Um, and then 97 of those uh, 561 different restrictions or bans were enacted only in the month of August 2021. So this really shows, uh, you know, 2021 was almost like a year like no other in regards to abortion. Um, and as we continue in 2022, I'm sure that we'll be able to see more of these restrictions coming into play as states have greater access to them. So it's super important to understand about the ban in Texas that we saw this year that I'm sure everyone is aware of. It garnered a massive amount of media attention is that it was completely unprecedented. So obviously we have other restrictions, bans um, in the United States, and I'll go over these in a sec just to kind of talk about uh, you know, what the United States is, I want to say, like used to normalized almost in terms of different bands. And then why Texas, in contrast, was so stark, so controversial because of that. Um, so I'm just going to pick out a handful of different bands that um, I, you can find in honestly most southern states across the U.S. Um, and just kind of show the general, the general gist of them so that it'd be easier to compare Texas to them. So first, you have coverage restrictions with abortion, which limit the insurance coverage of abortion care. In other words, they restrict public funding. Um, so that makes it harder to access. That's a pretty typical one. Um, gestational bans, I feel like, are probably the ones that most people will be familiar with, even if you don't know the proper name. And this is essentially just a ban after abortion, after a certain point of pregnancy. So uh, some sort of marker um, after conception, essentially. So 6, 15, 22 weeks um, are typically the most common markers. There's also medically unnecessary requirements. So these have like waiting periods um, or sometimes the woman will have to go to counseling to try and convince her to rethink her decision. Um, and these are usually different added costs, different time costs, um, and they can be intentionally misleading or even medically inaccurate. 
Um, there's also method bans, which prohibit particular methods of abortion care. And a lot of times these are the most safe and common procedures to access, um, especially in, uh, in correspondence to the trimester that you're in. Um, so these usually also fear, interfere with evidence-based medical decisions, and they also further limit options for abortion care. There's also parental involvement laws, which require parent, parental consent um, or for the, especially if you're underage, to notify your parents um, for minors. Um, there's also reason bans as well, which ostensibly restrict abortion if the person's decision is based on a sex, race, um, fetal diagnosis, uh, for example, gender, racial, or disability justice. And this is also to restrict access of abortion. And it also kind of skews the data as well because it makes it seem that abortions pertain or are targeted more to people of color or people who are more perceived as vulnerable in society. Another restriction that's pretty common is targeted restriction of abortion provider, um, TRAP laws for short, which place medically unnecessary requirements on clinics and providers um, that are designed to force them to stop providing abortion care. And lastly, the last one I'm just going to talk about real quick is trigger bans. So this is states that have said if Roe v. Wade is overturned, immediately we are going to completely ban abortion if that happens. And this is usually um, in the state constitution sometimes. I believe Kentucky actually has it in their state constitution. So those are just a few simple bans and kind of show what the U.S. has seen in the past. And right now I'm going to go into Texas and kind of talk about what we've just seen. And keeping those in mind, just remember how starkly Texas contrasts. So the first part of the Texas bill is actually pretty generic. Um, it's one that I just went over, but a gestational six-week ban. So after six weeks, you can no longer get an abortion. Um, that's not new. It's unsurprising. But the surprising part is this SB8 law, which has also been called a bounty hunter ban. And essentially, it's a path of civil litigation for civilians, not state officials, um, to file suit against abortion providers. Um, essentially, not even just abortion providers as well, which is surprising, but anyone who aids and abets an abortion. For example, an Uber driver as well. That example has come up. A lot of people have pointed out that, for example, if I'm aware of someone getting an abortion and I know who like the literal Uber driver is, I can prosecute that person. And if the suit is successful, it can be awarded up to $10,000 or more. Um, so essentially what happened is this law received a lot of backlash when it was first enacted. And um, what happened is it eventually went to the Supreme Court and there were four dissents, but ultimately the Supreme Court uh, agreed and it's, it's still enacted now. So as a result, abortion after six weeks is unavailable in Texas. And there are other states considering these laws as well. So for example, um, Arkansas, Florida, Louisiana, Ohio, Kentucky, Oklahoma, South Carolina and South Dakota, to name a few, are also looking to adopt some similar statutes that are going to allow for the same thing. So really briefly, I just want to put this into perspective with what other states have been doing in the U.S. in the past year. Um, for example, Arkansas has TARP laws, ultrasound requirements, no use of public funds. Arizona, abortions now banned if for reason of genetic anomaly. They also have TARP laws and there are research restrictions on the state of the fetus and other alternatives and things like that. Other states have also uh, implemented a heartbeat ban. So when the heartbeat is detected, abortion is then banned. These states are Idaho, Texas, Oklahoma, and South Carolina. And the issue with this is that the heartbeat usually develops before most people know that they're pregnant. So already women are being uh, taken, their right to choose is being taken away before they even know they need to you know, have access to abortion. What's also interesting and a little bit of a lesser known trend, or at least I did not know this before doing some research, is that other states in the North and West, the typically more left-leaning states, have actually made abortion easier to access, almost kind of like a compensation 
um, for the fact that uh, pro-choice rights are being taken away in the South and other places. Um, and I think that actually goes to show the different polarization. That's really the focus of Skylight. Um, but for example, for I'm from Connecticut and I see on my stats that a majority of you guys are also from Connecticut. I think like 72, 75, somewhere between there and around that percentage. Um, so one little interesting tidbit is that our governor, Ned Lamont, actually signed a bill in May, which prevents deceptive practices by crisis pregnancy centers. Um, essentially, these centers are anti-choice clinics that don't or necessarily don't um, provide comprehensive reproductive health care. Um, they may also attempt to block people from getting abortion to provide misinformation. So the fact that our state and a lot of other states are doing this kind of shows, again, like this polarization, the sense of compensating uh, or making this contrast between other states, and which I think is really interesting. Um, and I'm also interested to see, you know, what other states are doing to either make up for this or are they going to um, become more restricted in, in result of, I think, what we're going to see in 2022, which is a progression of these restrictive laws. So as I always do in all my episodes, I really want to take a minute and talk about why this connects to my mission at Skylight, which is, again, this issue of polarization, stigma, misinformation, um, this almost, you know, plague that's taking over American politics and causing this abyss um, that people have highlighted in the media. So abortion is particularly one of those issues that has a lot of stigma surrounding it because a lot of the laws that revolve around it um, and a lot of the you know persuasive arguments um, label themselves uh, on different stereotypes of the people getting abortions, that they're the lowest of the low, they're not hardworking people, they're taking the easy way out, they're essentially murderers. And you know while people maybe shouldn't be getting abortions on a consistent basis or abusing the that it's permitted to them, it should be an option for people that really need it. And really needing it can still qualify as not being ready for a child because you know the validity of your readiness, of your ability to care for someone also comes into play as an issue of why you should not be you know forced to raise that child. So um, also what's interesting is the polarization of Republicans and Democrats that we've seen with the abortion argument. And actually what's interesting is that not every Republican is in favor of what's happening in Texas. And I usually also like taking a moment to talk about people that I believe kind of um, overcome this divide in America. I did it in my second episode, um, if you wanna check that one out about the Olympics. But what we've seen um, happening in America is a lot of Republicans saying that they don't believe what Texas is doing with this bounty hunter law is the way that abortion should proceed, pro proceed in America and um, it should become normalized by other states. It's, it's a bad precedent essentially. Specifically, there have been three Republicans that have spoken out publicly about not believing in what Texas is doing, and they appear in a Forbes article that I thought was really interesting. So the first is Governor Larry Hogan Jr., um, who's a Republican from Maryland. Um, he said, despite being in quotes personally opposed to abortion, he believes that the Texas law seems to be, again, quoted a little bit extreme. Um, and really the main problem he highlighted it is that government officials can't enforce um, this bounty hunter law but rather they put the responsibility in the hands of private citizens to file lawsuits um, and they can't they have a you know financial compensation for it and adam kinzinger also highlighted this he says that while he's quote pro-life what he doesn't like to see is that everyone in quotes being able to tattle um, and then the fact also that under sba private citizens are in quotes deputized to enforce this abortion law and he actually also brings up this example of Uber drivers saying that, I mean, it's honestly, it's just an interesting example because you take someone like an Uber driver who really doesn't know much or too much about the situation, and those people are the ones that are going to be able to be punished under this law. Um, he also opposes the fact that the law doesn't include exceptions in the case of rape or incest, um, although SBA actually does allow abortions in the case of medical emergencies. And finally, the last um, you know person who really opposed this was Barbara Comstock from Virginia, who again is Republican. 
um, she identifies as pro-life and she said in quotes that it's a bad law and it's a bad policy. Um, she described it as a blunder and that it sets an awful precedent that conservatives should hate. So this really shows that, you know, these are respectable people to be able to come out in their position as all of them being pro-life and point out the flaws happening in Texas and why this is problematic to our democracy and to America as a whole. Kinzinger also said, quoted, um, or abortion is a debate that we should have that's open and not just opening people up to be sued for any bit part in that process. He also wanted abortion laws to take rape and incest into account. And overall, abortion laws, in quotes, should certainly not be set up so that it's enforced by people using private right of action to sue somebody. So this again really shows, you know, I mean, in summation, the issue with Texas and the fact that Republicans are pointing it out, again, is something that I believe is really admirable and something that we should be seeing more of for politicians in America. The fact that you can have an agenda, but you're also not willing to go to every unjustifiable mean to achieve that agenda. So this episode coupled with my third one, which talked about, again, the stigma of the debate, um, really kind of encompasses everything I wanted to cover with abortion. I wanted to cover this issue of uh, not being able to achieve a right conversation because of these blockers of stigma and stereotypes put into place, as I did in my third episode. And in this episode, I really went over, you know, staying aware in 2022 and seeing what's to come, because I mean, I'm sure that all these other states are going to implement copycat procedures almost to copy, you know, what Texas has done, um, seeing that it's been so far successful. Um, And then again, also as like a little bit of a side point, as I covered in the last few minutes, that you can still have a political agenda, but also be willing to recognize that the way in which that agenda is being achieved is not necessarily the right way, even if you have the same views as the people implementing that agenda. So these Republicans that have spoken out against Texas. So thank you. And if anyone wants to be open to conversation, you all know how to reach me. I'm always open to talk with people and continue this political conversation, this civil discourse. So thanks guys for listening and I'll see you soon on the Skylight Podcast.